Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining me again today. This is Star Jerry's bringing you another episode of The Creative Strategist and boy oh boy do I have a good one for you today. My guest, Catherine Marino, is the CEO of Orange County Fashion Week or OC Fashion Week and she is such a powerhouse. I can't wait for you all to listen to her speak, to really be able to take in some of her perspective. She really has some great advice, some great habits that she shares and to also just learn a bit more about Orange County Fashion Week and how she got to where she is today. I wanted to let you all know that it is complete fate, I believe, that we are doing this episode this week. Catherine called me kind of by accident. She had me down as a Bloomingdale's vendor in her phone, and I haven't worked there for several years. I know her through a friend that worked for her when I was in college studying fashion, and she happened to call me this past week just out of the blue, and even though I no longer work at Bloomingdale's. We really got to talking. We really connected after so long. And I asked her to be a guest on this podcast and she was so willing and so supportive of the podcast and and said yes to coming on to the show. And I am just so grateful that she did. So I definitely think that there was some reason that we needed to come together for this. And I'm so, so excited to bring this to you today. Let me tell you a little bit about Catherine. Catherine Marino is the executive producer of Orange County Fashion Week, as I said, and Orange County Fashion Week is the entertainment and Orange County-based incentive agency, and it specializes in runway entertainment, of course, branding, advertising, and business retail tourism. The five-star destination site of OC Fashion Week highlights the OC luxury lifestyle and it offers strategic digital and broadcasting media campaigns, incentive meetings, rewards, and event consultation with creative instinct for innovative social solutions, for valuable incentives that bolster business, community, relations, and long-lasting alliances. So basically, this is a powerhouse for businesses in Orange County or who want to reach an Orange County audience, people who have like-minded goals, who are working together to bolster sales, to move the needle for their businesses, and this is truly a great organization. Catherine has a well-rounded professional journey, and it ranges from marketing to sales to events to fashion and, of course, strategic organizational development as a CEO. I truly believe she embodies what it means to be a creative strategist, and I cannot wait for you all to hear what she has to say today. She just spouts wisdom, guys. It's incredible. Catherine believes that successful corporate and civic partnerships must be equally beneficial to the venue, to the sponsors, and the community at large. Yes, yes, yes. Only then is the event a true success and her mission completed. OC Fashion Week is dedicated to emerging designers worldwide and recognizing inner beauty awareness, supporting leaders in retail whose business models are distinguished for making a world of difference. Incredible. But before we dive on in, I want to, of course, talk to you guys about reviews. You all know I say this every week, but if you really want to make a difference in the life of this podcast and you really want to show your support for me and for the content that I am creating, go ahead and leave a positive review on whatever 
platform that you're listening to, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. That really, really helps get more eyes on this podcast and to help me bring on great guests like Catherine onto the show. Without further ado, let's get started. Now, you might hear some noise in the background, but that's because Catherine was at a fitting when she jumped on the call to record this podcast. You're listening to The Creative Strategist. I'm your host, marketing and sales expert, Star Jerry's, and I'm here to help you use storytelling, design, and entrepreneurial thinking to develop your brand's voice, boost sales, and stay relevant in an ever-changing marketplace. Join in on my conversations with seasoned professionals and take away best practices to help you forge ahead in your career. Again, I'm Star Jerry's, the creative strategist. Let's get started. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the show. I am so excited to have you here. This episode has actually been a long time coming, really, since college. So (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. So excited to be on your podcast. And yeah, we're really, really excited. Well, I can't wait to see you in person next week for Fashion Week. But I'll just dive right into these questions here. If we could just start by getting to know a little bit about you, who is Catherine Marino? And how did you get started in this fashion career? What made you choose fashion? And how did you get to the level of CEO where you are today? <laughs> well, thank you for asking that. And gosh, you know, I want to say that um, actually fashion chose me uh, because I, I didn't originate from fashion. I was actually an economics major at the San Diego San Diego State um, University. That's where I graduated. And originally, I was an international business major with a minor in French. Now, how I got to fashion is a whole nother state of mind. (laughs) I actually got my first job at KUSI broadcasting commercial traffic, and that led me on to uh, programming and syndication for Fox, and then leading to Univision, working as a, a market research analyst. And then they bought out UPN did it for both stations, transferred over to Disney. At the time, they owned the Ducks and the Angels in the sports teams, uh, built a broadcast system, and then it led me to become a senior analyst for the Orange County Register, which was a real trip. And then I had my babies, became a stay-at-home mom, and took a little tiny job at a tennis club one day when they said they needed help for sports sponsorships for the United States Tennis Association. Fast forward <laughs> You know, seven, eight years later, I'm running a a sponsorship agency as a stay-at-home mom, um, running my business um, from home while raising two young kids. And and it really, uh, you know, gave me a different element of of business acumen. I had actually surpassed at one point my, what I was making as a senior analyst, um, running my business from home as a sponsorship agency. This is before the market crashed. When, uh, at one point, um, I was uh, American Express Travel when they had a branch in Laguna Niguel had asked me to come and uh, join their crew. And they gave me an office. And they said, come work in our office. And I was like, why, why? And they're like, oh, because we're landing these clients from you. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's awesome. And I got the travel bug. And at the same time, ironically, I was actually approached by um, a, a 
Harper's Bazaar and uh, Donna Karen store to raise um, awareness for a, ch- a children's charity to do an event, but they wouldn't want us to use the um, uh, magazine logo. Uh, because it was uh, advertorial or something like that, so we couldn't use it. And so I changed my company name at the time, my travel agency, to Hot OC, not knowing I was, you know, almost um, forecasting a future that I didn't know was coming. Uh, when we became a, 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 an incentive agency, and I want to call that like a loyalty program or a consumer loyalty program, the market had crashed. And I kind of hid from marketing because I knew that was going to be one area that was going to get hit with all these layoffs. And so uh, I just uh, stuck to becoming a a consumer loyalty agency to help uh, clients um, receive more consumer benefit with with different kinds of creative instinct to help draw in, um, you know, uh, existing and new customers. And that first client was uh, Aston Martin Newport Beach. And so I actually built my agency inside their dealership so that every time they would sell a vehicle, you would get me and I would give um, awesome five-star privileges anywhere around the world to hotels and resorts from Ritz-Carlton to Four Seasons and you name it. Uh, fast forward to another three years. Um, yeah, it was really crazy. Um, at, and then to leading to Fashion Week, what happened was um, uh, ironically and coincidentally, one of the owners of the vanquish was the producer of America's next top model. And I didn't know that at the time because we were, you know, I'd waited patiently. I wanted to design a racing tour and I finally got the opportunity. I waited very, very patiently and they said, you could finally do it. You could design the dynamic drive, which we did. And the, the dealership at the time had, we finally got awards of being number one dealer in the nation for both new and used vehicles, um, which was for 2010 and 2011. And so um, after that, it was really great because um, we were, um, or actually I was asked to uh, then um, uh, take on a job in Italy, um, in Rome, and uh, it was an Italian-American opera festival who had asked if I could, um, sorry, my brain's like <laughs> jumping everywhere, if I could, um, uh, you know, help them with their, their publicity at the end of that racing tour. And at the time, uh, one of the ladies that uh, drove the Vanquish was was that producer, and, and she had contacted me a year later. Uh, at this point, uh, two gentlemen had approached me, um, and they had a charity called the Elephant Man Foundation. They were the originators of OCFashionWeek.com, and they asked if I could help them bring sponsors to help finance their show. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and um, there were three groups that were also entertaining um, the ownership of OC Fashion Week. And so there was a bit of a race um, for them to obtain and sustain their original mark, which they had rightfully owned. And so in, um, you know, through a mix of longer stories and <laughs> a lot of funny, funny, crazy things that had happened, um, eventually uh you know, with a single uh, production of doing one uh, resort wear collection um, using the men's uh, uh, men's aquatic team and the ballet. And then I got a funny phone call that came out of nowhere. And it was uh, the producer of America's Next Time Model. And she said, Kathy, do you need models? And I was like, oh, my God, I think wow. I just entered the next chapter of my life. <laughs> wow. And that's how I became the producer of OC Fashion Week. It's so crazy. And so, um, you know, it's 
it's it was uh, I learned you know I I learned not your typical way. I didn't go to college for fashion. I learned the hard way um, by uh, just getting right into the thick of it. And so um, all the way from, uh, you know, recruiting our own models, uh, training first-time runway models. Now we have our own language and culture in our own OC Fashion Week. We we uh, we actually um, have a, our own system. Um, we call it FTR, which is first-time runway. When we have first-time runway models, we have season models that we use. Um, we call them pace setters. And these are just nicknames that I, I, I would do that I, don't even, I didn't even know I was doing. It was just kind of a system of ease for me so that I could help facilitate a way in which we could um, utilize the expert level models with our um, newcomers and at the same time make it work for everybody. And, but by doing that, we ended up finding that we were correcting model walks um, even as far as from New York Fashion Week to other locations and, and models would tell us no one's told me that I walked off the runway before or that I tilt my head. Um, and we were just doing this because we thought that's what everybody does. But um, so that's kind of how we <laughs> got that back of house system going. And then of course, front of house is what we call it for sponsorships. Um, I still use a lot of the things that I had learned in the sports industry to facilitate a, a, an approach to giving brands what we hope they would um, come to learn and enjoy and love. And we make them more of a function as opposed to just advertising at people. We, we actually, they become a larger role of fashion week. And so that's kind of how we've done our creative deliverables. And it's only based on, um, it was done based on need and then based on demand and then based on, on what we hope they were looking for in their band and, and what they were looking to achieve. So that's kind of like our long story. No, <laughs> so I sorry about that. No, no, you did. You did so great. You told such a great story there. And I think that's really the heart of the creative strategist, the things that you were talking about, just how, how your story unfolded between sales and, and your, what you call, I saw it on your LinkedIn as well, what you call your creative instinct and then letting that develop. And, and now you're pushing these boundaries where you are doing things that the model the modeling industry hasn't seen before and they're commenting on it. And that comes from just a different kind of breed of a, of a person. And I think that is so, so cool. And that actually leads yeah. me right into my next question. So I think you and I have very, we have a lot of similarities in our background, but just backwards. <laughs> so uh, I started in events and moved into fashion in college and then moved into sponsorship sales and then now I'm oh, in marketing. That's right. So, so pretty cool. But how do you think that your marketing and sales background and also your background in events, because it is a tough, tough thing to produce an event and I'm not sure a lot of people realize how many plates event production producers have in the air at any given time but how do you think all of those things have kind of culminated to benefit you in your career and then benefit you in your current role today wow that's a really great question um you know i always uh look at it in a number of different ways is when you do have that creative ability then you have the ability to think beyond boundaries and i think what happens is that sometimes people listen to uh, you know a group thought and they don't know to question 
that thought. They just work within that circumference. And really, there's no need. You can build outside that box. You can build um, a freedom that you never known as long as you find a way to substantiate it. And I think um, what I do, and I don't know if a lot of people do this, it might be just because I worked in television for so long. I was used to working under a great deal of adrenaline because everything was live. I I have this weird thing about me. I would, I think at the time and when I had my kids at home and I knew I only had like four hours of real work time, I would make a decision every 15 minutes and make a decision that would move the event forward. It didn't matter what direction or how it was going to, the outcome was, you know, to a certain extent, as long as I was making a decision that was moving the event forward. The other thing that I would do is um, time and pressure. I used it to my advantage. So if we didn't have enough time or if there was a lot of pressure involved, I would find a way where somebody would benefit from that. Wow. A case might be where a sponsor wouldn't want to make a decision to come on board because it was coming up too close. Well, why don't we give them six months and sell them into the next event? And so it really became about um, finding a different driver and not being fixed by other people's rules. Because I think the moment that you you let them define you, they will. And the moment you decide how you want an event or outcome defined, and if you stick to it, you can see it out in that way. Um, so there, the good thing about sponsorships, and when you're in the driver to create it, you can build the outcome. And that was the case. And, and I didn't know that until I kept um, getting hired on event emergencies. So at the time, after I worked at that tennis club, they were like, oh, Kathy, how did you build that event in six weeks? And I said, I don't know. Doesn't everybody do this? And they go, oh, no. <laughs> and I go, well, then I became like the six weeks or less girl. And so... Um, they kept sending me to all these um, crashing events, and then they would say, you know, can you help us fix this emergency? And so for a weird time there, I kept getting hired on event emergencies, and um, and I would come and I would uh, flip them, like much how, you know, a house gets flipped <laughs> and resold for more money. Um, I would uh, give it a new name, uh, change the images a little bit bring in some major brands. Uh, I worked with Veuve Clicquot for several years, you know, and now <laughs> one of their seasons, she's with OC Fashion Week now, which I'm so happy to have. Ingrid Nielsen's awesome and so proud to have her on our team. But um, we worked for many years together. And when I met her, she she came on board three days before our Mercedes-Benz event. Wow. <laughs> and then we had the most awesome, like, ice lounge ever, you know, where we emptied out, like, this Mercedes-Benz, like, ice glass house and it just became like the talk of the town so I I really um when people say it's impossible you know that's when you know they set a ceiling for themselves when you know there's possibility even down to the wire then you still have that and if you have that creative will you could do just about anything within reason <laughs> you know you got to have people you got to be working with people that are go-to people you have to work with decision makers that not people that will stall and and use brainstorming as an excuse to whittle away your time and energy while you're working hard you know you want to work with people that can be decisive that have the the power the a game and that they're athletes that was another thing too that used to really um define like who I would like to work with you know I would look at people as whether they are an athlete in their field do they have the creative drive do they have the instinct can they make a decision that moves people forward or are you talking to someone who's waiting for directives 
you know, are you talking to someone that needs to still brainstorm it out because they can't make a decision? Some people really have a problem internally. They, 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 they won't give themselves permission to make a decision or they want to um, not be, you know, uh, they don't want to step outside that box. They want to limit themselves. And, and I've been studying about that. It sounds weird, but I, I, I study about the subconscious. I study how people are marketed beyond, beyond the basics. I, I study how people adapt their own culture based on their upbringings and how, um, if, you know, if, you know, if they bought into something, because sometimes we don't even know some people, they buy other people's fears. They buy, you know, right. Have you ever dealt with that before where, you know, somebody's stressed out? Yeah. And they're not even working on a project and they're like, why are you stressed out? Well, I'm working with this person and he's stressed out. And I'm like, why are you wearing their fears? It's not your problem, (laughs) you know? So um, those are some of the things, and that gets into like deep coded, like serious, like uh, culture coding with regards to marketing. So, I, you know, that's why I look at instant creative instinct because I I don't just look at what you do on paper, how a logo looks on on a website. Mm-hmm. I look at people's creative driver, what gets them into the car, turn on the ignition, hire a babysitter, wear great clothes, go shopping, and go to the event after 50 shopping lights when they won't even go do that, you know, go the same drive to get to the mall. If they could find a shopping, you know, app on their phone. Um, so we know what we're up against. We know, um, is, is this event a hit or is it another event where here's the date, day and time. So it, there's kind of a weird, um, craziness about it. And it, may, it might be a little bit too having a slight obsession <laughs> because if, you, if you're not obsessed with your event to that a certain degree, um, you might, you know, um, you know, have a different approach to it. But if you are slightly, you know, you might find this creative drive in you to, to see it out the best way you can. So that's how <laughs> I feel like I just sat through a master class. <laughs> that, that was such a great answer. Every point of your answer, I think you just, to sum it up, like you said, in the athlete analogy, just seeing someone who's ready to run because it's, there's a lot of work on the back end and there's a lot of work when nobody's watching and you can be, be an impression sort of worker. But when you're talking about landing something as large as an event, especially like you're saying in our, in today's world where there's you're not just competing with other events anymore. You're competing with social and you're competing with online retailers and you're competing with the comforts of home. Basically you Mm -hmm. have to push those boundaries so hard and you have to be willing to do everything and lay lay it all out like an athlete would until you get Mm -hmm. to that finish line, which is not even the conclusion of the event. Then you have to go into reflections with all your sponsors and then you're right back into it the next year. So, um, yeah, it's really true. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I got that term because, you know, I didn't study television, but I got in television, you know, and, um, I didn't, uh, study Spanish and I was speaking Spanish by the time I was working in Univision and I, um, and then I didn't know anything about vehicles, but then I worked, you know, with some of the greatest supercars in the world, you know, but I, I think about it and it really comes down to what I realize is action. When you have action and initiative, 
mm-hmm. um, you can see things out. Now, don't get me wrong. I, there's other areas that I need a lot of training in, and I'm always going to be a student for life. So, so even though these are some areas that um, I've come to enjoy or, or I can do, you know, you know, at any given day, I there are still areas in business that I would have to say that um, always takes another um, team to help out you see out that vision. But um, but the main thing is that um, yeah, I, I got that uh, driver really from just learning on the fly as opposed to theory. Said so I always, and that's why I came up with that. You know. Um, you know, mind thought that if, if you think of an occupation more as an athlete, then you don't take things as personal mm-hmm. as well. And you're just, you know, you're just, you know, in training or you're, um, you're you've got a game, you know, it's playoffs, you know, you're in your finales, you know, whatever it might be. That, that was just part of my psyche so that I could really understand the enormity of, the show that I was going into at the time and go, okay, it's just a different a day every day, (laughs) but there's multiple brands. And so I, so we, we would have different locations for OC fashion because I knew that there was a different um, audience demographics based on zip code in a 30 mile radius. So my brain goes into market research and all of a sudden I'm scaling across uh, a cross tabulation in my mind of like total number of men and women, 18 to 49, drinking Coca-Cola, maybe purchase a car in the next six to 12 months. And then I go, OK, this audience is going to be perfect for this group. And so um, I do a lot of that in my head, uh, matchmaking, just because I had done so many of them for two years, three years you know, at the time. Right. In television, you're working with multiple advertisers, as you know now, as you're doing it, right, in your own industry. Um, so you look at uh, that dynamic flow of what their brand represents, and then you look at, you know, the deliverables that you would like to offer. So, um, you know, now as far as fashion goes, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm still, you know, enjoying it as a spectator and, and being in it. In the insofar as back a house, um, I still consider myself more behind the scenes. You know, whether I'm, uh, you know, on the runway or I'm holding a camera, you know, filming myself. But I, I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy being, you know, with the models. I enjoy um, shooting with the photographers. I, I like to get my hands dirty and and be part of that team because it's an awesome camaraderie like the people are so cool the moms of all the i call them model mommies <laughs> they're all so sweet and um you know and we hope that they do get amazing jobs you know or we hope that they do get you know these networking opportunities even for just a short amount of time right. on the runway but yeah so that's that's pretty much it you know on my (laughs) no that was so great yes and uh just to echo some things that you said just being a a a student of life and being a student for life that's so interesting in fashion there is a spirit that they talk about it's the zeitgeist and it's just the spirit of the times and that's just always paying attention to what's going on in the world and it sounds like you're always trying to learn, and I hope our listeners take that away from from the the many guests on this podcast who have just stunned me with their willingness to continue to educate themselves over and over. And like you were saying, you didn't know Spanish, and you were speaking Spanish before going to Univision. That's just amazing. And um, and I wanted to ask you. You mentioned every 15 minutes moving the show forward. Do you have an example for 
what you would kind of think about. Would you set a timer for every 15 minutes? That sounds like a great habit that maybe someone could give a go. Well, I've kind of, I'm probably like your extreme version that took it to another level. I think when my kids were small, um, my, you know, when you build a broadcast log, you, um, you look at day parts and they, they would have a specific rate. So your morning drive, if your radio is like, say, I'm going to throw this out there at 6 to 8 a.m. And you know that that day part is going to cost some advertisers $300 per 30 seconds. If you go into primetime television, which is 8 to 10 p.m., you know that that commercial spot's going to be at least 1000 to 1500 per airtime. So what happened is when I had kids, I was I had to figure a way to you know work from home and, and define the time eat between nap times. And so there were two-hour nap time gaps with two kids. <laughs> and so what I would do is, thank God for Fisher-Price, I would... I got that Fisher Price swing. <laughs> I was like, "All right, timer's on," and uh, and I learned how to build websites. I learned how to film, edit, do movies, uh, all that stuff. And so I decided I would make a decision every quarter hour. That's every fifteen minutes. So every fifteen minutes, I'm going to make a website. I'm going to call five sponsors. Another fifteen minutes go by. I'm going to um, complete the event logistics, event planning. The next 15 minutes, I'm going to dedicate to PR, promotional marketing. Next 15 minutes, I'm going to call all these people for prospective sponsors, and I'm going to set my meetings. By the time I'm done, it's now 8 a.m. So that's from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. I worked a four-hour, or however, a four, five, six, seven, four-hour shift. I bring the kids to school or preschool, come back, and I do it all over again. But this time, it's all in sales. So I call up all my prospects. Would you like to have a relationship with me? Yes. <laughs> Let me tell me about your brand. And then and then you listen. You listen what they want. Not give them what they yes. need or what you think they need. You listen to them. Do they need foot traffic at their store? Do they need to be associated with another brand? You know, you listen to all those different aspects of, of what, uh, what is required for their brand to push them forward. And then you make the decision. So it's almost like we do tailor-made marketing based on their needs, the dynamic of their brand and who their audience is. And then we we mesh that with what deliverables we have in-house, you know, whether it be television, radio, print, digital, whatever that outreach is, whoever that audience is, whatever that open rate is on email, direct message, whatever that might be. And then you then you create it. And then you have a little bit more of an accurate target audience and you know that you're able to sell that handbag for that company or you're able to have that coffee bean <laughs> delivered for a hotel, mm-hmm. you know, or you're able to, you know, uh, send people onto a cruise ship, you know, uh, whatever that might be. Um, this year we're really excited because we have Celebrity Cruises as um, our presenting sponsor for opening day and they're actually our official red carpet sponsor um, of OC Fashion Week. So it's a really exciting time for us to um, see what we could do. You know, they, they have a new purpose and mission, uh, getting the word out about their Celebrity Edge, which we're excited because it's like a very awesome lifestyle ship that came out and they got this celebrity floor that came out. It's in the Galapagos. I can't say Galapagos correctly. <laughs> so I, I, we know what you mean. Um, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. So it's a really, uh, it's a really cool time. I, I, I mean, I, I have to say, but you know, I always look at it, you know, like the doctor. Yes. If you're, a, <laughs> if you can give someone a prescription, and you want them to be cured, <laughs> uh, 
wouldn't you want to know what their ailments are? <laughs> so yes, I always say that. I can't believe you just said that. Well, see, because you're you're speaking our language. You're in the same culture. That's why you get yeah. it. You're in the sponsor, right? Yes. So, so yeah. So that's uh, one way of looking at it. Now it's different with designers and fashion designers because they have a different. Um, a purpose and state of mind, particularly when they are an emerging designer coming out for the first time, their needs are different and they have to be identified as a brand uh, so that they have the brand credibility to approach other um, prospective buyers, whether it's a consumer, a direct to sale, or if they're just trying to get to that manufacturer and then, you know, make it at that end. But it, it is a lot harder for the emerging designers. So oftentimes we, we will often also sponsor designers to support their brand because we know how hard it is. So it's not, um, you know, it's not so easy for them. So, um, and in this year, what's cool is that we actually got sponsored by a, um, the largest uh, sourcing trade show in Hong Kong. So we're now able to bring 50 fashion designers and buyers sponsored on three hotel nights, daily breakfast and transport. So if you know a designer or a buyer that would like to go to Hong Kong April 27th through the 30th, they are invited courtesy of OC Fashion Week, the official, we are the official California delegate for, um, for, uh, you know, Fashion Week there in Hong Kong. That's incredible. And we're thrilled to help them out. Yeah. So it's so cool. We went there last year. It was crazy, but I mean, not crazy, not them. It was just us because we were running around town like, oh my God, this is so cool. And so, um, it was really awesome. But I have to say, like, if you are going to launch a business, it's, it's good to do the network, whether you're manufacturing it in the U.S. or if you're going to take it abroad, at least you you know what your options are. You know what people are doing on the other side of the world. And, and it's not just people in concentrated in China. It's actually, you know, we, we saw people from the U.K. there, from uh, South Korea. We saw people from Vietnam, you know, Philippines, you know, so it's from all over. And you just having another option or touch point to be in touch with that retail culture and what's happening in the now, because I think you know, if you're you're kind of stagnant and you're not doing anything new with your business, it's definitely an opportunity for people to go and change it up and change up their game by knowing what's out Absolutely. there. Absolutely, and just to be able to, you're right, just to, just dive into another cultural experience, to get outside of your own box, to meet new people. What an incredible opportunity! I was going to ask you what else we could expect next week at OC Fashion Week. I'm glad we're already talking about it. Is there anything for guests who want to buy <laughs> tickets that are that we should get excited for? Yeah, absolutely. Opening day is going to be awesome. It's going to be held at AV Irvine. We've got seven amazing fashion designers that are going to be competing for the first Celebrity Cruises designer competition for uh, the luxury collection. They have a luxury collection, and it's based on their latest ship that just came out called Celebrity Edge. And then, of course, they've got a sister ship that came out, the Celebrity Flora, that is actually, um, you know, in the Galapagos Islands. Did I say that right? Galapagos. Yes. <laughs> I got corrected by them many times. But <laughs> so, but what's really great is that each designer has uh, just such amazing drive and they're all good. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough for judges to make a decision. Um, we've got some celebrity judges that we're going to be announcing very soon. Uh, one is a good friend of mine. He's, he's a producer of World of Dance or one of the producers of World of Dance works with oh, J-Lo. We got two, uh, two celebrity judges at, from Beverly Hills coming, um, and we're going to announce their names very soon. We're, we're so excited about that. Um, celebrity Cruise, this is regional director. Uh, Cynthia Rose is also on that panel. 
And then, of course, we've got one of the youngest fashion designers. Her name is Egypt Ufili. She's in that competition competing with other adults her, that are her senior. Um, she's only 13, if, if I got her age correct. Oh, but um, she's been doing everywhere. I know, right? She's awesome. She's been on Oprah. She's been on Teen Vogue, CNN, People Magazine. And she's making waves because she has an anti-bully campaign which we're all about. Um, and then on top of that, we've got, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan Jimenez, a local designer, Vanessa Lazada, sustainable designer, also locally grown here. Uh, Melissa Pallone is coming up from LA Fashion Week. Yugochi, all the way from Nigeria. We're so excited to have her. She's in the house. Uh, we've got Dawn Sunflower, all the way from Newport Beach. She turned a lot of heads with us when she did uh, Pelican Hill years ago. And gosh, I don't want to forget anyone. Jamiel is new, also from San Diego, coming up down that chain. So there's a total of seven designers that opening day. And it's our first designer competition um, that we've had since, I think, 2014 when we had Emerging. Um, but this has uh, this is all brand new for us. And the second day, we're doing an experience day with a tribute to Carl Lagerfeld. Um, we're calling it the Chanel Experience. And we're doing kind of a trip down memory lane with Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy and Sephora and the master educators of Chanel and showcasing on a wonderful yacht on electric cruises called the Destiny Yacht with a nice little lunch harbor cruise um, from 1 to 4 p.m. in Lido Marina Village where um, people will be able to have uh, people joining us will be able to be spectators where they could experience um, live runway hair and makeup and what goes on beyond the runway and it's theming on the inspiration of hair and makeup by the um, Chanel hair and makeup team so it's a really exciting time for people to experience that and that's our little tribute and nod to uh, Carl um, on the third day of course Pelican Hill we've got three top-notch designers Tatiana Shabonik, um and I hope I said that right, from Belarus. <laughs> and then two local Orange County designers, Berenice uh, Gonzalez. She's doing over-the-top avant-garde. She always nails it every time. And then, of course, we've got Julio um, Quintero, and he's a new up-and-comer. Also, he had worked with Berenice in the past, now independently doing his own designer collection. On the uh, fourth day, which is a Tuesday, um, FET, the venue is our official venue sponsor they're going to be hosting to Lenuel Fro and he's a headliner from Mexico City he's been getting a lot of top-notch uh, media and press because his collections are almost uh, you could say they could be in a museum they're just stunning vibration of energy and power and color and a regal presence like you would not believe you could just see it on our Instagram feed uh, OC Fashion Week uh, and then, of course, joining us, too, is Vacan um, by Valerie Barney, all the way from San Diego. Another studying uh, ready-to-wear collections as well. And then, of course, we've got another designer that day. And I'm hoping we have, these, these are all to, on top of my head. So, for me, it's like, you know, here, you know, at our fittings um, that we have joining us that day is Carmelo uh, by designs collections and he's a filipino designer um, also based in la but he, he's bringing a lot of beautiful wedding inspirations that we can't wait to see and then our last day which is on electric cruises again it's a three-story yacht we do um, actually our runway shows um, top and bottom of the yacht we've got two menswear coming up one has a unisex division but uh, perry jones or he, he likes to be called perry jones the second 
is coming up with his brand new collection. We have all new male models too, first time runway as well. Uh, and then we have Jesse J Collections is also um, en route. Uh, he's doing a unisex collection all the way from Beverly Hills. And then, of course, Melissa Pallone, she's coming back again, but this time with a cocktail collection, which, you know, we didn't even know she had two collections going, but it was really um, amazing to find her do that. Unaffected, which is a brand new store, just opened right here in the Irvine Spectrum Mall. They're also coming out. Um, we're excited to see their brand new collection and uh, and excited to see what they have. Kind of more of like a boho chic, perfect for Coachella. Uh, we love that fresh new look and that vibe. They really look, took to our models right away. And of course, we've got a brand new collection and dancewear, which is going to be our finale. And that is called Dark Rabbit. Dark Rabbit is a brand new collection by a young uh, Rowan Burke, and we're excited to have her. Um, she's a young girl and a student at OSHA, and she oh. came out with this dynamic. Hair. I went there. Mm, yeah. Are you from OSHA? Yahoo! Alumni. Unbelievable. Hello. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome school. It's really, really okay. cool. So I think, uh, I think I. I hope, yeah, I think I covered everybody. <laughs> I will say that That's my high school is the reason that I'm in fashion because uh, my visual artist friends and a lot of different people around me were great at sketching and they really kind of endowed those skills to me just by me asking and me observing them. And then because we had the platform just to pull different artists from everywhere, we were able to produce these shows and put these things together that honestly, I, I don't believe I would have been able to do what I was able to do had I not gone to somewhere where I had so many creative resources. So good for her being in the finale. That's so incredible. Yeah, that is really cool. I know my, my daughter goes there too. She's studying um, animation, wow. but I, um, I was really impressed with that school too. It's very dynamic. Like, and, uh, you know, I love that they take up an applied theory approach to yes. learning which I'm big on because that's how I had to learn the hard way, doing it, just right. doing it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, they take the same approach. So good for you. That's Thank awesome. You. Yeah, great for your daughter. That's so cool. And then how can people buy tickets to OC Fashion Week? Well, we put it on our Instagram feed. So if they go on our and they follow, tag, and like us, <laughs> they can buy tickets right there just by clicking on the buy tickets now. They can also go to our website and click on buy tickets now or click on any one of the banners that say day one, day two, day three, or day four. And they can select which day to go on just by clicking one of those banners. And, uh, you know, and if they know a model, they can actually, <laughs> you know, come as a guest of a model. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, yeah, that's pretty much it. We just try to keep it simple and available. Fantastic. And my next question, it sounds like, and just hearing you talk, you really embody this balance between a love for creative and a creative spirit and that creative instinct. And then that entrepreneurial side, you were talking about the internal spreadsheet that you create when you see these brands and different things that you learned throughout your sales career. How do you think the balance between those two has played a role in your career and how important do you think it is to find that balance and synergy between those two dynamics? Well, you know, originally I wasn't, um, you know, trained or uh, I wasn't driven in sales. I was a research analyst. And so I'm always looking for a problem to solve or a story to tell by the numbers. And so this fashion became a, a as a, 
uh, originated to me was kind of a um, a program that with a story to tell, because a lot of people didn't know that the consumer spend here in Orange County was exceeding Los Angeles in the billions, or that we were on par with say some of the top five fashion capitals at 37 billion. And we're not even a country, we're not even a city, we're a metropolitan piece of the Los Angeles pie with a dynamic spend. And so getting the story out and letting people know that we are a buyer's market as opposed to saying just another fashion week was one in itself. And I actually called up Conan Ass and I asked him how was Vogue ranking the fashion capitals. I was surprised to learn at the time they were ranking them by SEO, not necessarily by consumer spend. And you know, when I had done rank reports in the market research department, it was always based on, you know, applied geographic solutions with you using, you know, the U.S. consumer census, you know, to determine what an actual capital was. And so in terms of traditional capital, I would, you know, I would go so far as to say that technically in terms of spend and consumer spend, we could conceivably be a fashion capital by spend. But as far as ranking in, you know, Vogue's, uh, top 10, maybe not now, maybe later when they change the dynamics of how they survey or measure um, a fashion capital. Because as we know it, as you and I know it, to be in business, you have to have the sales, right? So, and then to do accurate marketing, you have to promote marketing that has deliverables with with the consumer buying power that has the ability to, you know, surpass that expectation. What happens if you miss? (laughs) So, you know, so it's really important, you know, that I think or I feel is that that if you're going to say you're a fashion capital, it's because that's what that means. And maybe it's it's time that we redefine it. We're living on a transparent playing field now where sales are as transparent as an Instagram swipe. So there's something to be said for that. And that's kind of what the story became for me. And then, you know, of course, helping emerging designers, um, advocating for fashion tourism on the inbound to supplement our local retail economy. As the changes happen, as the dynamics of social media changes, we know we could feel it, um, you know, how that's going to come to pass in the next five years. That's another uh, projection to take into account. So those are some of the things that, I look at, you know, I, I don't look at it as in terms of sales um, on my pitch. I, I look at it more as the dynamic of the numbers and what the people's needs are. And then you could determine how to fulfill them based on if that brand can match their mission and goal with with a set of deliverables that can have a, a measurable outcome. I know, sorry, I sound like a researcher, but I can't help it. But that's how I look at it. You give the people Mm -hmm. what they want. And when you're talking to a business, there's some sort of metric. I mean, 99.9% of the time, it's not going to be based off a feeling. Uh, There's some sort of metric and reason that they're pushing a certain product or would want to be aligned with your certain event. And I think everything that you just talked about is really important, whether it sounds like research jargon or not it's the it's the truth and when people propose sponsorships to me that's the first thing I ask how many people are going to be there what are they like what are their purchasing habits do they like to do things that lend themselves to coming to my business Uh, what segment are we talking about Um, do they have kids I mean there are so many questions that we ask as marketers and 
And your really unique thing is that you are looking at everyone's desire. So you're not just looking at how can I serve the brands that I'm pitching to, but I've heard you say too, what do our designers want? What are their end goals and how am I being a great partner at OC Fashion Week to get them from where they are today to where they want to be tomorrow? And that's what's going to make people stick. Yeah. Well, you know, we always hope that we we can give them, you know, the right open door. And, uh, you know, but really, I mean, uh, it's just a it's a really great and fun experience, I have to say, <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, when we get closer to runway, we just enjoy the ride because that's all you can do. <laughs> and, um, and I think that, you know, at that point, you know, we're just, you know, having fun. The staff is really cool. They're fun. A lot of the local colleges will send their students to us. We actually have a program called Fashion for the Future where we um, give them as much dynamic training as possible. Uh, we try to avoid any assistant level positioning because we don't want them to get, um, what do you call it, pigeonholed. I was pigeonholed for about two years running away from what they call traffic, which is advertising and broadcast. But And I kept getting pigeonholed. I kept going to like, you know, I would leave Fox and it was like, they'd offer me a traffic position. I would go to Univision, they'd offer me a traffic position. I right. got to Disney, same thing. And I just was my biggest pet peeve. And so we actually don't offer assistant position levels. We offer them a chance to work with us for two seasons as an apprentice and then ultimately we give them project manager positions so that they can see out accounts but we find out what their you know uh, athletic skill is you know I met one designer where she came crying to us because she was confused what she wanted to be and then one time I was writing a letter um, to a sponsor and she corrected me and said no you should say it like this and I go wow how'd you learn to talk like that and she's like oh my dad's a tax attorney I'm like what are you doing as a fashion designer why don't you come and you know negotiate these deals like wow, wow. no I was just joking with her I mean it's funny because they find uh, we find that they find newer talents when they have applied skills yes. as opposed to just signing up and taking different subjects you know when, when you put it to the test and you find out, you know, under time and pressure who they really are. I think that's when you find out just how good you could be in any particular category. Yes. You know, and, and it could be that. It could be, you know, and she is a talented fashion designer, you know, um, whether or not she pers- continued to pursue it, you know, I'd have to check in with her. It's been a few years. But I did know that she had the acumen of a business master that I hope that she got a chance to use. That's, that's fantastic. You're so right. Once you start doing all these things come out of the woodwork and you really get to know yourself. And that brings me to my last question. I always like to ask this. What is one key piece of advice that if anyone finishes listening to this podcast today and they're walking away with one thing that you want them to remember from this episode, what would that be? You know, I think that everybody's journey is their own, and I want them to discover the world they were missing. And sometimes to do that, you got to step outside that circle of where everybody puts limitations on you. Everybody tells you what you need to be or who you need to be or what, how to define you. And so every time they hear that and somebody tells them, no, they can't do it, no, it's impossible, anytime somebody tells them, they're not good enough. They'll never be good enough. Anytime somebody, it could be a parent. It could be someone from their childhood. It could be a, a, a teacher, you know, frustrated with their job. It could be a coworker frustrated with their job. 
I want them to put on a shield of armor and I want them to question first whether they are wearing their fear, wearing somebody else's anxiety, wearing somebody else's limitation, wearing somebody's inability to achieve more than what's possible. And I want them to let it go. Just let it go and let it be that they get to own their own destiny. That's it. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's all. all they got to do. Perfect advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, it happens and it's mismarketed to people and our subconscious buys it and stores it and becomes it. And we don't know we do it, but technically I've seen it happen. And um, if it's something that can be surpassed, then we can, um, hopefully they can identify that sooner before later. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And No, thank you so much for the interview. That was awesome. I really appreciate it. Oh, fantastic. You did so great. And I can't wait to see you at OC Fashion Week. I hope all our listeners go on and buy their tickets today. You don't want to miss it. Is there anything else that before we sign off, I just wanted to thank you. Thanks for coming on during your fitting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, tag us your photos on front row. <laughs> and um, and for those of you that are bloggers or influencers, make sure you sign up at OC Fashion Week. You get a pair of complimentary lashes courtesy of Amazing Lash Studio. And I have to say this shameless plug from Rancho Santa Margarita, Brea Bellaterra, <laughs> and Crossroads in Irvine. <laughs> and a special thanks to uh, Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy because our runway shows would not be around without them. They are the, they are, you know, if I could say we're flying a 747, they are co-captains. So <laughs> on that 747. Wow, was that not amazing. Catherine has so much great advice to give and she just laid it out for us. Everything from waking up at 4 a.m. to start her first four-hour shift to working around her children's nap time. I mean, that is true entrepreneurship. That is true grit, everyone. She is making it work and she is killing it. She said it herself, she's known as the event fixer, and she's made great strides in her career simply by learning, by doing. And I think we all can do that a bit more instead of kind of getting into this mode where we get into analysis paralysis and we're just overthinking, we can just go ahead and get started and really learn as we go. Of course, we want to be strategic, and Catherine talked about that as well, but Getting in there and doing the work is really what's going to move the needle. And we all need to do what she said and be athletes in our field. Know our strengths, get down and dirty, do the work, and win the day. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Reach out if you have any questions, comments. I love starting conversations about our episodes. And of course, the show notes will be at starjerrys.com backslash the creative strategist, like always. Thank you for listening to The Creative Strategist. Head over to starjerrys.com backslash the creative strategist for notes on today's episode, information about upcoming events or to nominate a guest for the show. Don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks again for hitting play. See you next time, creative strategist.